In the study, in fact, not only country by country, but pace by pace, uh, each pixel we identified the cost difference of providing electricity by PV or diesel generators. And in, in majority of the, of the areas, uh, PV came out as a cheaper option, taking into the account the lifetime cost. So this 78%. And even when, when we had this very cheap uh, diesel prices, it was still near uh, one third of the population would have been served still by PV. But this, uh, you know, uh, one third was with the subsidy system. And in, in many, many African countries, this is still there, even though this is a huge burden for the government. So what we think it's a win-win situation if, if they could go for just simply forgetting about subsidizing the diesel and, and let you know the rural electrification market evolve based on the, on the technology competitiveness. That was energy innovation researcher Sandor Shabo, and this is the Power for All podcast, a forum for leaders working to end energy poverty. I'm your host, William Brent. In this episode, we're joined by Sandor and his colleague, Magda Moner, who are both leading researchers on rural development and renewable energy from the European Commission's Joint Research Center. The two are co-authors of the recent publication, and I have to take a breath here because it's a long one, a long title, Mapping of Affordability Levels for Photovoltaic-Based Electricity Generation in the Solar Belt of Sub-Saharan Africa, East Asia, and South Asia. There were also 10, 10 authors actually in total of this report, also from UC Berkeley, University College London, World Bank and UNEP DTU. Welcome Magda and Sandor. Hello, it's nice to be with you and I'm uh, happy to answer your questions. Thank you, William, for the nice introductions. It's a pleasure to be part of the Power for All podcast. Great. So your new research looked at affordability of PV mini-grids uh, in the regions discussed. And affordability is becoming an increasing issue of importance as governments, donors, and the private sector fully realize that not even distributed solar uh, is cheap enough to reach everyone. With that as the background, I'm curious if you could describe what the main headline of your research is. What, what do we take away from this research uh, from a conclusion perspective? Yeah, so we would say that uh, incorporating the affordability data in donor programs and in, in, in general in, in governmental programs can really speed up the implementation and the increased efficiency. Uh, what, uh, what it's quite clear is that at the present, most of the national investments decisions on electrification are short-sighted. What we mean with short-sighted, that, that usually they often put too much weight on the upfront cost. And then the, the, the investments, uh, they don't take so much in account on the, on the optimal results and neglect the operational and maintenance cons, costs and the health and environmental concerns. So why to have um, the affordability uh, in, in consideration? So what, what, we, what we thought it was very important is to to localize, to identify what we call the low-hanging fruit communities. So communities where the solar PV mini-grid can be competitive, so, so the least cost option, where, where it's cheaper to, to, to invest in PV than in other options like diesel gensets, 
and the 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 actually with the current PV cost production, the population in these areas can um, can afford to pay for the PV. Yes. Uh, because what if you do the investment and then you cannot the, the users cannot even afford to pay for the operation and maintenance at the long term it's not a sustainable option so I guess a uh, follow up from that is you know when you say least cost uh, you mean least cost over what time period and when thinking about that so is it 15 years 30 year time period that you looked at is it five years and Based on your findings, you know, for PV minigrids, what what was the multiple of affordability of going the PV minigrid route versus a, 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 another route? So we were taking the the standard PV lifetime of the system, so 20, 20 years. So so of course we were taking into account not only the investment cost, uh, the, 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 the upfront cost, we were talking the operation and maintenance cost. So that's what it makes, the, the affordability, it was it, what it makes more impact. So you can have an upfront cost that can be uh, covered by, by different uh, national investments or, or, or a donor or a national institution. And then once that it's done, who is covering the operation and maintenance cost? So that's what's, what we measure as an affordability. So in this case, of course, the, the diesel generation, the, so the least cost we were comparing with the diesel generators, in this case, where we were identifying is where the PV, it was cheaper than the, the diesel generators. So we were comparing these two um, off-grid off options. And, and so that's over the lifetime of the PV system. So are you, were you able to make any deductions on that uh, in terms of costs and sort of the relative cost from of diesel versus a, a PV minigrid over that time period? I mean, are, I guess the, the, the real question for me is how much cheaper are PV minigrids compared to a diesel solution over that 20-year time period? Yeah, that, that, uh, I, I'm sure that, that the Chandor will describe later more, in more detail. He's the economist. But I would say it doesn't. We cannot say in general, because of course we cover a huge, uh, huge uh, geographical um, coverage, I would say. So the novelty of, or one of the novelties of this study is that we could go, what we say, pixel by pixel. So we could go to higher resolution and say, okay, not only in this country, it's competitive. It would say, identifying, for instance, the map of Malawi, Uganda, Madagascar, and Mozambique, in these countries, we identify the areas where it would could could be more affordable. It's not about it, it, there were parts in in the continent that that were uh, diesel was cheaper than PB. We are not saying that 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 PB mini grids are always the cheapest option. What we are doing is identifying where which parts would be the cheapest. It, not only that, in 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 this case, which which would be affordable. So that's the, 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 the play with these two parameters. So the least cost option and the affordability. Were you able to, I mean, did you have a, a number of people that would be within these low hanging fruit regions that would be within that catchment area for least cost uh, solutions from PV mini grids? Like how many people are we talking about? Yes, we, we were we were we were uh, accounting for the, the the number of people for yes. So we, we were accounting for the, because we were using 
uh, different geospatial data, um, um, data, and then we're aggregating the population in this area, the census data and the global human settlement la layer data, it tells us that we have so much population that could afford uh, to, 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 to invest, not to, to could afford for the price of, of the PV electricity. Um, and, and I, uh, I don't have the numbers in my mind. Maybe, maybe Shandor remember the amount of population we have that in the, um, the paper. Yes. I mean, obviously the question also depends on the, on the diesel price because that's the competitive technologies, uh, basic parameter but in case we were using historic diesel prices so if we were you uh, if we had the high diesel prices then uh, almost 78% uh, of this population would fall into the areas where pv would be more competitive if we had cheaper end of the diesel prices this would go down to 36% of the unelectrified population that would be serve, served by uh, by the least cost option PV if if we compare the two rural options. Yeah. So I, just to just to be clear, that's 70 78% of the population in the low hanging fruit areas that you identified. Is that correct? Yes. So 78% of the presently unelectrified population would if we take the least cost option then this would be 78 percent would be pv and only 20 the remaining 22 would be diesel the cheapest option for electric right so in sub-saharan africa if that if we're assuming around 600 million people 78 percent of that 600 million people would be it's almost yeah half a billion people in that, that yeah. would fall yeah. great so i mean so i'm i want to dig into this issue around diesel a little bit more. Power for All has written in the past that you know decentralized renewable energy solutions like MiniGrids sound and ultimately sound the death knell for diesel in Africa. Uh, but I'm wondering what what the implications from your research showed on on this issue, um, and did you look at the role of diesel subsidies uh, and how they impact affordability, and whether there was a need for demand side subsidies for for solar. Uh, to try and make that transition. Yes, when uh, when we started the research with Magda, in fact, more than uh, 15 years ago, you know, we had uh, international donor organizations saying that rural electrification is diesel generation, you know, and uh, already that time we saw the steep learning curve in the PV industry, and we said that mm, this this is uh, probably not uh, always the case. And, and also, uh, with this steep decrease of PV cost, uh, we, we realized that uh, this other model relying on diesel it doesn't really work in many places, mostly because of the volatility of, of diesel prices. It, it goes up and down. It's very difficult. In many countries, in Kenya, in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Ethiopia, they set up rural electrification system, mostly uh, fueled by diesel. And then a few years later, they didn't operate them because it was too expensive to operate. So we we just uh, were trying to uh, to go deeper into into this issue and to, uh, with these uh, geographic tools we have, uh, we realized that we can in fact calculate uh, this this kind of operation cost of diesel because you can imagine it's not only the diesel price, but if you have to transport the diesel 50, 100 kilometer. It's you know it's doubling 
or even tripling the price of one liter diesel to run your diesel genset. So we mapped the areas where with the, that actual price, where, where the PV was already uh, competitive. But then we realized that in many countries, strangely, government subsidized diesel out of social policy reasons. They said, ah, we have to provide poor people with, with, poor, uh, with cheap diesel. But in fact, it's counterproductive because with this, you prevent scaling up the optimal energy portfolio. You prevent getting the, the low uh, operation and maintenance cost options from the market. In fact, it's better to to put you know the tax on 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 the diesel. You collect the money, and then this money you can spend on social policy, and then uh, your your setup system will be based on a more sustainable low operation cost option like PV. And in the meanwhile, PV prices dropped. Uh, diesel uh, went up until quite recently. Now we experience again that the diesel is maybe a cheaper option. But it's it's going up again, so it's quite difficult uh, to to make a long-term uh, decision on energy system on such a volatile uh, option. So uh, this study shows that uh, in fact the PV would uh, would give a quite a, how to say user-friendly uh, option if the system donor uh, agencies provide upfront cost uh, contribution, and then you have to operate. This is a system, even if it combined with, uh, with the batteries that has to be replaced five years, each five times, it's, it's a much more sustainable option for, for most of the areas we, we identified. So Shandra, just to go back for a second, because I'm not sure I still quite got the answer I was hoping to get, which is that you know I, I, clearly every country is different. Prices of diesel are different in some countries versus others. Prices for PV are probably different as well. But did you come up with a range at all that you can um, point to in that cost differential? You know, so in the lowest, the, the lowest cost differential was X percent in this country and the highest cost, cost differential was X percent in, in another country. And then everything in between, yeah. Yes, in the study, in fact, not only country by country, but uh, as Magda pointed out, uh, pace by pace, uh, each pixel we identified the cost difference of providing electricity by PV or diesel generators. And in, in majority of the, of the areas, uh, PV came out as a cheaper option, taking into the account the lifetime cost. So this 78%. And even when, when we had this very cheap uh, diesel prices, it was still near uh, one third of the population would have been served still by PV. But this, uh, you know, uh, one third was with the subsidy system. And in, in many, many African countries, this is still there, even though this is a huge burden for the government. So what we think it's a win-win situation if, if they could go for, for uh, uh, just simply forgetting about subsidizing the diesel and, and let you know, the rural electrification market evolve based on the, on the technology competitive. Right. So, so what I'm hearing from that is even with diesel subsidy over the 20 period lifetime of the PV system, uh, it's still cheaper to go with PV than diesel in a third of the locations that you looked at. Is that right? 
Yes, you're right. And these are mostly the communities far away from the from the grid, far away from from big city centers, and uh, so usually the the poorer part of the population. And and just to, to to understand, so let's say Mozambique or Uganda, like in Mozambique, for example, over the over that twenty year period, what what's the cost difference of owning a PV system versus owning a diesel system? As I said, the the advantage of the study is that it doesn't say on country level what's the uh, the advantage, but it says if you have the community in this area how much cheaper it is. So if you have a look on our maps, you click on, on one of the pixels and it tells, yeah. tells you it's 20 cents cheaper to provide electricity there with PV. I get it. So it basically my simple mind wants to have a, a country by country comparison uh, on the cost differential, but it, it's really going to get down to each community and and the differential. In fact, you know, one of the uh, one of the driver of the study was that within the country we try to identify those communities where the PV is really much more uh, competitive. They have at least twenty euro cents cheaper electricity from PV systems, and also we see that there is also affordability because there is no new data from the World Bank on how much people. Uh, are able to pay for electricity services. And we try to identify this low-hanging fruit, but also those places within countries, and we identify quite a few within one country, quite a few areas, quite a few uh, regions where where it's good to start. Because if you install the system there, uh, people will be able to uh, afford paying for the for the battery replacement, for the maintenance of the system. And if you start installing these these PV mini grids there, it means that you will experience also a, a, a cost reduction because you know by this learning what happens in Europe, it it decreased tenfold. It will happen in Africa as well, and it means that this can I mean this development can can infiltrate the the less. Uh, to places which cannot afford paying that much, but by the time the cost will go down, so even these places will be in this uh, good situation to to be able to operate. Yeah, interesting. So, last question for you. So, you know, we're talking today about uh, affordability, um, but I think you would probably agree that it, affordability is not the only metric when thinking about access to electricity. I've talked to other guests on this program about, you know, whether it would make more sense to try and measure access to electricity based on level of service that different approaches uh, provide, you know, whether that be solar PV or the grid or diesel. So I'm curious if you if you if you if your study also took that into account and whether you have thoughts on that. Yes, I mean that's a very good question. I think uh, there is a wealth of research. Uh, trying to identify the important parameters for for this kind of electrification decisions and as you say for example the different level of services what how we define what services we expect from from a, a, a local or or a rural electrification site this is an important parameter and there is ongoing studies by yasa on on identifying the best metrics 
how to define different tiers of services. Also, there are uh, statistics by, by international organization on the social political stability factors that has obviously even a, a, gr a great impact whether the investors would go into certain countries or not. Our study uh, took into account physical uh, parameter distance to get uh, also the the price of diesel in a given period and also we incorporated the affordability but uh, as you say there there are quite a, a few other parameters that that influence these decisions we try to incorporate as many as as we can also we are working on on uh, trying to incorporate indexes you know country level indexes for example what is the political stability in a given country? What is the, uh, uh, from social point of view, what is the average income for families? This kind of inputs. But uh, uh, I think uh, this uh, at this stage, this affordability integration was a big step from the past uh, stages in this uh, research. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, when IASA and others have more information on that, where we can have a, uh, a multi-point uh, integrated look at all of this together, right, to inform even, even better decisions. Magda, did you have anything you wanted yeah, to Yeah, I was going to mention the, the indicator, the work of the indicators that we have been doing as well in parallel to this work. So always in the background, we always have the, so we have invested our it's more a techno-economical analysis that we have been always working with and always with this um, spirit of integrating other, other, uh, other parameters like social issues and financial issues and, and political stability. So that's something that we are working on that as well and we are working at subnational level so that we don't have only into account the, the cost and uh, also the quality of the service, also the, the social conditions of the community. So that's something that we are really working hard to incorporate uh, in our studies as well. And is there a timeline for that? Do you have an idea of when all of that might come together into one uh, dashboard? Yeah, so we, in fact, talking about about papers, we, we have submitted the paper, in fact, uh, so we, hope it will be published very soon and we will share the information with you um, for sure because that's that's the idea of integrating all this different approach not only the technical and the economical to try to 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 also attract investment investors or ngos or, or or international agencies in in the different ways to 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 promote the pb mini grid uh, in energy access and to add, add to that, William, it's, uh, you know, it's not only papers, but uh, Magda was in fact leading uh, uh, research on, on trying to put together a platform uh, where you can, uh, you know, click on a certain location and try to see what are the social parameters, what kind of infrastructures are nearby. And it's done in, in cooperation with, with uh, uh, you know, uh, for example, Burkina Faso, uh, we have uh, connections there with, with delegations and, and we are putting contact with stakeholders there. So I think we try to incorporate this data, keeping in mind also what the local experience tells us as important parameters. And I think that's 
uh, apart beyond the papers, I think this kind of uh, uh, platform and tools that can help, you know, the national authorities to to help the investors to make decisions. Absolutely. Turn, turning the, the, the valuable data that you're creating or making accessible into actionable uh, policy frameworks and, and investment decisions. Um, it's, anyway, it's been a fascinating conversation. It sounds like we're going to have to have you back on soon to hear more about this upcoming research that you're publishing. But in the meantime, uh, Magda and Sandor, thank you so much for the work that you're doing and for joining us on the Power for All podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks, everyone, for listening. A reminder that you can find a wealth of sector news, analysis, and data on our website, powerforall.org, and our platform for energy access knowledge, which we call PEAK, P-E-A-K. You can also sign up for our monthly newsletter and other updates. And if you feel like making a tax-deductible contribution to Power for All, you can do so from our homepage. Speak with you soon on the next episode of Power